Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Break the Cycle with me, your host, Joshua Smith. Guys, it's been a long time since we've done a show. I, I understand that. Uh, Christmas came around. I know you guys were all busy. I was really busy as well. Then my internet went down for about a week and three days, uh, so that was very hard to do live streams with a uh, crappy internet um, something chewed through our internet connection. Uh, CenturyLink decided to uh, install our cable above ground uh, like idiots and uh, probably a, a chipmunk or something chewed through right before the snow uh, and then trying to get one of those people out to, to your house to fix this stuff is just absolutely a mess. So uh, I appreciate you guys being here. It's a new year, new shows. Uh, I'm going to do it real big this year. We're going to try to outdo how many episodes we did last year. Uh, because it was so much fun for me, and I, I love hanging out with you guys. I love hanging out with all my great guests, and uh, I can't appreciate you. Tell you guys how much I appreciate you enough um, for supporting the show. This is episode 143. Uh, I started last March, I believe. March 3rd was my first show, uh, and since then we've done 140. We did 142 shows in 2021, uh, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna outdo that in 2022. I promise you guys. But we got a great show for you tonight. Let's start off with some sponsors, as as per the usual. Of course, we have TopLobster.com, the man, the myth, the legend, my good friend and partner. Our break the cycle, where you can get this great fuck around and find out uh, Lady Liberty hoodie that you see me wearing today by going to TopLobster.com and using BTC at checkout for a 10% discount, or you could join the Patreon. On subscribe star or become a member of my YouTube channel under all of my videos by hitting the join link where you can get into a private Discord server with a lot of the wonderful people that you see in my chats all the time, uh, where you can also get to new all of Top Lobster's brand new gear up to two weeks before it goes to the general public at like a 30% discount. So if you're one of the smaller tiered uh, patrons, you really, you're, you know, if you're buying Top Lobster gear, you really, it's free. I mean, it's free for you to be a patron if you're if you're buying Top Lobster gear. So cool stuff, definitely worth it. I promise you, uh, you you won't, you we won't be disappointed. And of course, executive producers of the show, AnthemPlanning.com, for all your emergency and crisis planning needs. Check them out today, see what they can do for your business, home, or personal life. They're doing a wonderful job that the government has historically sucked at much cheaper and much more efficiently. Seriously, if you guys own a business, go check them out today. Wonderful people from Delaware. Uh, they have been wonderful to my show and my family. And so please go see what they can do for you if you're a business owner. I promise you, you will not be disappointed using their services. I know some uh, other listeners have been working with them, and, and they are super appreciative of all their great work. Uh, I, I promise you, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, guys, got a great show for you tonight. Uh, libertarian running for U.S. Senate out of Florida. He was uh, something that a lot of libertarians don't get uh, elected uh, in Florida uh, a few years ago. He's been following me, and I've been following him for a long time. He's awesome. He is Mr. Dennis Mizigoy. Hey, sure. How are you doing tonight? Good, good in you, man. Thank you again for, for having me on, brother. Yeah, of course, man. I'm stoked to have you. I'm glad glad to be getting back to shows, get back into the routine. You know, it's it's hard. It's hard when you take a bunch of time off from doing a, a nightly show, and then you're like, yeah. oh, man, I got to go downstairs into the basement and do the show again. <laughs> and um, No, but I, I was really excited to get down here, and I'm glad to have you. You're my first show of the new year, man. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked, man. It's a, a nice way to start off first week of the first uh, first week of the new year, first day of the first week, man. Yeah. So uh, I'm honored. It's a privilege. And, um, you know, man, I've always respected uh, a lot of the work you guys, you were always doing, you know, back when you were running for chair both times, the, going back to the first time you were everywhere uh, and all over the place and talking with people and uh, that always left an impression with me. So, and, and I know how it is when you're, you're doing a lot of work or you're doing something, you have a great routine and then you break off that routine, especially with the holidays and whatever, man, it's, uh, takes a, takes the extra effort to get back into it, but it's good. 
Yeah, it's yeah. wild, man. We're you know, there's there's a lot of hubbaloo around the the uh, the the elections again for the LNC, and I'm just used to that. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> I, I I dealt with it for four years straight. Now it's kind of like it's a different side that's kind of going at me now, which is a little weird uh, for me because you know these were the people who supported me for a long time. But um, uh, it's it's you know. It's it's just it's it's also weird getting back into that because I took some time off. You know, when I was doing my my national chair campaigns, it was like basically never stopped. Right, like I I, I started traveling in 2017 and I didn't stop till 2020. I mean, it was like literally the whole time I was just going to state to state to state to state to state. Um, and then in, in back in 2020 and and look, this is the first time you guys are going to get to drink at break the cycle for the new year. Uh, over the over 2020, I went from having no kids in my home to having seven children in my home. Uh, in one year, and it it really or at 20, 2020 into into twenty twenty one. Uh, so I had to take a break and and kind of get some things figured out and get set, situated and make sure that we had everything we needed and the kids were doing the right things. You know, we had to get some therapy going. We had to get some sports started. We had to get some kids into school that hadn't been to school for a long time. We had two babies uh, in that time. You know, my 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 wonderful son Mateo who just turned one on New Year's Eve, and then of course my granddaughter who was born March fourteenth. So her one year old. Uh, uh, birthday's coming up soon. Um, and so it was an adjustment period, man, you know? And so it was, yeah, I would, I, I would think so, man. Most uh, of us do that like one at a time. Yeah, it was. So, yeah. I did it all so, one year, man. And it was, it was, was it was like, it was a big adjustment period. I needed some time away, uh, from just about everything to, to kind of get it figured out. And now, now I'm stepping back into that campaign role. I've already got a uh, Florida booked. I'll be coming to Florida for the state convention there, which will, I've only missed one since 2017. I've only missed one state convention. It was last year because I was getting my shit together. And so I think, I think this will be my fourth, uh, since 2017, my fourth, uh, Florida state convention. Looking forward to that. I'll be in Atlanta in two weeks, uh, right outside Atlanta and Douglasville for the Georgia state convention. I know I'll be in Missouri, Michigan, uh, Nebraska, Minnesota, um, and, and some others, you know, but those, those are all driving distance for me now that I live in the middle of the country. But. You know? That's true, man. It used to be I used to have to fly out from the West Coast everywhere I went. It was like I had to fly everywhere, you know. Yeah. So no, and that's got to be something where it's like you know what I was always used to living in Miami was the fact that everything else was so far. Like to drive, just to drive to get out of the state, you got to go six hours. You know, basically, even if you just go straight north from there. Versus, you know, when I lived for a very short time in uh, uh, in Maryland, just outside of DC. Sure. Where there you drive like an hour or so in any different direction, you get into one or two states already. You know, it's just different when you're in these other parts of the country. So I imagine that in, in California a little bit as well. So yeah, it's it's really it was really wild, man. It, well, and you know when I started in the 2017, when I started the 2018 campaign, I was actually in Oregon. I was living in Oregon, so it was uh, still West Coast, but I was flying out of yeah. Oregon. Everywhere I went was a minimum five hours of flying. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just just how oh, it was, shit. dude. But uh, but now it's much easier now that I can drive to all these these middle states. You know, uh, it's a trade off. Yeah, but so let's talk about you running for you're running for U.S. Senate. That's it's a huge that's a huge deal, man. I mean, running for I don't think yeah. people understand a U.S. Senate can, campaign is essentially the biggest campaign you can run outside of the executive branch. I mean, that's just that's true. That's how it is. Um, but let's talk about your journey to libertarianism. You're running as a libertarian. We know it's hard to win as a libertarian. I think the best results we've yeah. ever gotten was uh, Ricky Dale Harrington in in uh, Arkansas last go round. He got about 37 percent of the vote running for U.S. Senate. Yeah. But how did you come to libertarianism and, and, and then the party, man? Um, You know, libertarianism, I mean, I think I always, growing up, you know, coming from the Cuban-American background in South Florida, you know, just what you come from in that community, you kind of skew already um, 
with a, an antagonistic view towards bigger government. And but what you typically do is you just end up voting Republican. And that's what I did, at least for the first um, couple election cycles when I became old enough to vote. Uh, that was the first eight years of well, the eight years of Bush, where we had six years of Republicans controlling the uh, the uh, both houses of Congress and the White House. So no excuses for everything that went on then. And then I heard Ron Paul, man, like a lot of us, yeah. you know, uh, uh, is a life changing message. Uh, it was the first candidate I ever donated to. It was uh, the first one to really kind of get me, you know, thinking more and taking it seriously and really, really um, getting some kind of active and, and thoughtful about about politics I even registered Republican for the to be able to vote in the 2012 primaries. I had been NPA up until that point, and uh, you know after that didn't work out. I was just kind of down about it and uh, kind of took my my head out of politics for a few years. And uh, as we were kind of getting closer to the 2016 cycle, I said, you know, this stuff is happening again. Um, I can't just kind of sit here and be what's the word I'm looking for. Uh, just apathetic about it anymore. You know, I know too much. I understand everything wrong that's going on, or at least enough of what's wrong going on. Maybe I'm, I probably don't understand everything that's going on. There's enough secrets and enough, enough shady business out there that I don't think any of us really knows everything terrible that's going on, but we know enough and we know everything that's wrong with the system because we, we kind of have this framework and we understand uh, all these aspects of how individual rights are violated of how the monetary system is kind of undermining everything of how bad the foreign policy is the the loss and of innocent life the suffering all of this stuff and just what do you do once you know that uh i always kind of go back to that quote about you know what do you do uh in the face of evil and recognizing this stuff so i decided you know what let me at least get active in the party go find it i started getting active in the party locally in miami-dade county in uh like around the end of 2015 in 2016, I was encouraged. We were something we were trying to push. Something you know about in uh, uh, in South Florida. What ended up going statewide as, as uh, Operation, Operation First, First Step. Step. Um, started in Miami-Dade County back when Marcos Mirayas, he was vice chair there before he got uh, elected as a state chair. Um, we called it Operation CDD over there, um, which was this kind of focus on let's get elected to the to the lowest local level uh, possible. At the same time, I had some interesting stuff going on in my community. I happen to live in a community development district. It's a it's a kind of special taxing district. The one I lived in was pretty small. And um, it's something that exists in Florida. But uh, so we saw it as an opportunity. The seats were coming up for the first time to be on the ballot. And I ran against, I guess, technically an incumbent. He was an appointee because it, these these seats hadn't gotten onto the onto the ballot yet. It is a process for it. But uh, but I won the election with 63 percent of the vote and uh, a very interesting experience uh, really in two halves. But um, but this was, like I said, my journey to libertarianism, uh, listening to the Ron Paul message and just kind of waking up at that point. I had already voted in the general elections libertarian, even though, you know, you can say whatever you want about the candidates that were there. But it's important to reject the two party system as much as we can, recognizing uh, at least from my perspective, the irredeemability of it sure. and uh, the, just the need to take action. But I got elected locally, um, had an opportunity to to do some good things. Not at first. The first two years I was on the board, it's what I what I refer to myself as the Ron Paul experience. I lost every every single vote on the board. I lost, 
you know, every contentious vote, let me say, every contentious vote, I lost uh, four to one or three to one, depending on how many people showed up for the meeting. <laughs> um, every motion I made, except for, you know, approving meeting minutes or adjourning a meeting, everything else I did died for lack of a second. Sure. Um, it, it was a rough first two years. Uh, and the 2018 midterms, I got a little turnover on the board. It wasn't other libertarians, but it was at least people I could work with in the community who got inspired enough to kind of get active. And we were able to do some things. We, we took meetings that were in the middle of the day at 1130 in the morning on a weekday, on a work day, uh, like 30 miles away from the district. And we brought them, you know, into the evening, uh, a couple miles outside of district. The district was purely residential. So we didn't have any, any place to meet there, but we put it close by. We put it in the evenings where regular working people could come out and participate. And, um, we saved some money. We got to can a few uh, unpopular projects, save, save some money, uh, try to uh, do that. And uh, even down to the end on one of my, la- my second to last meeting, I got to manage to talk down some folks from projects that just weren't really popular with all the people they were going to affect and uh, be able to, to, to do something good there. So I spent uh, a little over four years in that seat. Uh, at the same time, working in the in the LP in Miami-Dade County, I uh, was the treasurer there for a few years, uh, spent also one of the years, uh, I think this was going into the 2019 uh, state convention. I was on the state platform committee. So uh, we redid the state platform. Uh, I know they've they've probably tweaked a few things since then, but we did like a an overhaul of the state platform in it. And the fact that the was whole that, thing was went through. 2019, and, 2019, was that Tampa? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was a Tampa convention. Yeah, that was a fun one. Yeah, I think you were out there for that one. Oh, yeah, I was there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That was the yeah, one. I think uh, you were there. That was the one I was out. Everybody was like inside, and I, I, I just like meandered outside because the the convention was right next to the pool. And then I was like, you know yeah. what? I think I'm gonna get in this pool. And then I was just floating around the pool drinking because I wasn't like I don't think I was campaigning yet. Maybe I was. Mm-hmm. But I, that's the one that I I, I hosted the uh, panel, the, the Mises panel with uh, Walter Block, mm-hmm. Jeff Deist, and Tom Woods. And I was the I was the moderator of that panel. And I'm going, why the fuck? Why am I up here right now? This is ridiculous. These people are way – I was like, I can't, I can't even come up with questions smart enough for these guys. You know what I mean? It was wild, dude. Um, yeah, dude. I, and I, I think you've done a lot of great work. And, and like I said, you're one of the libertarians that has done something that most libertarians haven't. haven't. You've been elected which is huge, you know, and, and you started small and that, and that was kind of the, that was kind of the, the spirit or the essence of operation first step, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it was all about, um, you know, the first step is, you know, see where we can get people started, get people elected into local office. Where is, um, where do we have opportunities? So we looked at, you know, obviously it's going to be particularly in Miami-Dade County where we really, really started it. Uh, you know, almost everything is nonpartisan, uh, local offices, but you look for stuff with small districts, things that maybe not be contested at all, or even if they're contested, like in my case, it was contested, but is still within reach, within the the kind of effort we can put forth. Um, you know, obviously, the bigger you go, the more difficult it is. But uh, but that was that was part of the idea. And then again, but it's just a first step. It's not that's not the end goal. The fir- it's the first step. The first step is get some people elected, get people on one side, understanding how to do some of these things as far as campaigning and, and building stuff up. On the other side, getting people experience uh, running for and serving in public office. Uh, because at the end of the day, what do we, to be able to compete at a higher level, you got to build kind of a pipeline of candidates. 
You know, you have to, you can't just say, well, because and look at it, it's, it's kind of what we do. And it's unfortunate uh, because everybody who's not like a, a big party retread, unfortunately, is somebody who has no experience in doing any of this stuff. Usually like the people we put at the top of the ticket and no offense to those people. I like, I like those people and I vote for those people and I'll probably vote for any one of them that we, that makes it through the process through the party to be the libertarian uh, party candidate in 2024. But I think there's certainly value. Uh, Obviously, you know, Donald Trump was an aberration uh, in a multitude of ways, but um realistically, if we want to compete at higher levels, we need to build up uh, a pipeline of candidates. And that was part of the idea as well, was to kind of start people off in a place what was accessible. And then hopefully over time, we would be able to have people ready to take it to the next level. Um, a better example of that would be like probably Martha, who uh, she was she's elected on community council over there. And now she's running for uh, county commission. So, you know, we're hopeful uh, and, and try to get people like I say, just through that process as much as we can. Obviously, it's a question of who takes to it, but that's the idea. And it's, it's again, it's a first step. Nothing is going to happen overnight. And it's something I say, look, even if I get elected, even if I get elected as a libertarian, first libertarian in the U.S. Senate, even if every libertarian who was running for um, federal office, every libertarian who was running in 2022 got elected either to the U.S. House or the U.S. Senate, we would still be this tiny minority and would have next to no power to get anything done. Right. But it's a first step. It is um, it's the first step to breaking the cycle, right. you know, right. uh, it, it's it's something that I talk about and I try to emphasize with folks about what's going on today. You know, we look at the, the you know, all the, the insanity with COVID over the last two years. Um, we look at it and, I, and I'm hopeful that mass noncompliance, even amongst the people who helped push this, are starting to get tired. I'm hopeful that mass compliance is going to squash this thing. And it's going to get back close enough to normal or, or fully normal. Um, but the question is, if we leave the same people in power, if you keep exactly the same groups of people in power, what are they going to do the next time they find something to scare us with? Right. They're not going to back off from this. They're just going to keep doing the same thing. The TSA didn't go away. Homeland Security didn't go away. Um, you know, something I, I tried to beat a drum on recently in part because the two, uh, the, the likeliest two uh, big party candidates for the same Senate seat, uh, the incumbent and uh, Congresswoman Demings, you know, they both voted for the NDAA. We're increasing military spending by like another 5%. We're over half, uh, three quarters, excuse me, over three quarters of a trillion dollars. And this is after ending the longest war in American history. You know, this stuff doesn't go back. So anything that they can stoke people's fear with and take an inch, they're going to take that much and more. So none of that's going to change as long as, um, as long as we allow it to, as long as we allow it to go on Our the keeping these people in office is just going to continue this process, continue us down this terrible road. We're almost 30 trillion in debt uh, amidst so many other problems. And it shows no signs of slowing down with the people we got in there. Sure. Absolutely. So, so you, you bring up some issues, uh, obviously, uh, you know, uh, the theme of this show over the last year has really, I mean, we really have 
beat this COVID issue to death. But I think it's the issue of our time, right? I mean, uh, it, yeah. you know, I, I've dealt with a lot of really crazy shit in the the 38 years I've been alive, almost 39 years I've been alive. You know, between the endless wars and 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 you know the the war on drugs and and the the, the bailouts and and the Patriot Act and. I don't see anything yeah. that's more tyrannical than what we've dealt with over the last two years during COVID. I mean, it's just been horrendous. And so how could we not bring it up on the show? But I mean, you know, so, so, so going into, going into the Senate, going into the house, um, let's, let's talk about, it. I mean, what, what, what do you think as a libertarian, what do you think you can accomplish there? Should you get elected? Uh, especially you know, involving this, this, this COVID stuff. I mean, what are you going to start pushing for as soon as you get in there? You know, it's actually funny because somebody threw an answer to a uh, question at me and I and I didn't give, a, I think, a good enough answer on this uh, on a live stream I was doing maybe a week or so ago. And one of the things I think what we need to be able to do is actually to reassert or to assert um, some of the constitutional guarantees in particular. I say when we have, you know, guarantee to uh, to be secure in our life, liberty and property uh, or that our life, liberty and property Oh man, the words are all a jumble right now. That's, a, that's <laughs> okay, buddy. I, I get it, dude. It's uh, it's 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 a Monday, right? Uh, but we have due process, you know, and and in particular emphasize that liberty. You know, the idea that people would be, and again, here in Florida, we've been pretty fortunate. Uh, even if I say it's not necessarily because the the folks in our state government are necessarily uh, so committed to liberty, but uh, but they've been on the right side of this issue by and large. Uh, so I'm thankful for that. But in other states where you guys have had you know, more serious kind of lockdowns and perpetualist stuff, you know, the idea that anyone would be uh, getting in trouble for leaving their house at the wrong time of day uh, and all this sort of stuff. To me, that's a pretty clear violation of liberty, because if you said, uh, again, where do you draw the line? If I say you can't leave your house at all, that's basically house arrest. Right. That's clearly a violation of someone's liberty. So if you restrict it, you know, again, uh, if you justify it with um, fear of a disease, it's, doesn't make it more constitutional. The constitutional requirement is due process if you're going to violate someone's life, liberty, or property. So um, I think really reasserting a little bit more of that is something we can do through legislation, at least at a bare minimum. One of the things to try to do, again, it, it probably won't happen overnight, would be uh, defunding the agencies that uh, are a part of this stuff like OSHA. If you can abolish it, obviously even better. But uh, if you can find the support for that, I don't know that you'd be able to find that with enough people yet. I know, uh, I know I a couple of industries that would be totally cool with you abolishing uh, OSHA, buddy. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, absolutely! Every construction worker in the world would be like, "Yeah, hell yeah, abolish that shit right now, buddy." <laughs> but you know, it's it's um, it's madness the fact that we've got these agencies in the federal government that uh, that try to subvert and get involved in, in stuff that really, again, they don't have the subject matter expertise for, or if they do, it's because then they have a vested interest in tipping the scales one way or the other. Um, it's always been this way. And, and all these government agencies are run by folks with agendas, which are, uh, again, not to be these perfect angels that just want to make everything perfect. And even if they did want that, they wouldn't have the knowledge to do it because nobody has the knowledge about every unique circumstance that can exist. So, uh, just get them out of the way. Just get them out of the way and allow people to to work some of these things out. Uh, it's it's cliche for us the whole idea that good ideas don't require force. You don't need someone hanging over the head. And plus, uh, just in general with regulatory agencies, I think this is one of the things where it really flips on its head. Um, some of our core principles, you know, core American principles. And as much as there is such a thing, one of those being the presumption of innocence. 
Instead, where you have regulatory agencies, it, it's all flipped over your head. If you exist as a company doing this, that, or the other thing, well, now you need to prove that you're not guilty of this crime, but we're going to assume that you are if you don't prove that you're you're doing what we say you should be doing. Um, and it, it obviously it compounds the cost of everything and it creates it just imbalances things, uh, creates inefficiency where it's not necessary. Overall, weighing des- weighing us down and and diminishing the uh, you know the ability to improve our quality of life because so many resources are sapped um, from everything else productive to go into this realm. Uh, one thing I did was thinking of those we were talking about. The interesting thing about what's gone on with COVID though is the fact that it has had such a widespread impact where everybody's impacted. And it's one of these things where we, we know a lot of things that impact everyone. We can talk about taxation and, and some of these other things that, you know, it's like the, the cliche, only thing for sure is death and taxes. Right. right, right. But, but, um, you know, I think there are other things that are more egregious. I think when you talk about like what the, has been the, the effects of the drug war or the war on terror and wars abroad in general, but those are more focused because those impact certain people and a lot of people here, myself included, really doesn't feel so much of a direct impact except for, you know, obviously the the inflation, the the waste of money, the national debt and everything. That's what we experience over here. But it's nothing like obviously people who are getting killed. I mean, a guy um, as we were withdrawing from Afghanistan uh, it was a guy and his family, uh, seven kids. Right. It was like nine people. Uh, trying to think the guy's name uh Zemariah Ahmad or something sounds but, like sounds, you know, this is sounds a, like a man after my own heart though with seven seven kids you know you know Very man sad. uh it's it's interesting how that works in terms of uh and it doesn't sort of line up with what you might assume in terms of where we we get into these societies where we where everything is so plentiful versus people that are really struggling in the world and in, in places where they, there's legitimate hardship uh but yeah no man be fruitful and multiply yes uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to uh, repopulate yeah. the, the the entire liberty movement by myself. Hey, man, all, all the more reason why we got to raise them up and uh, and teach them right. I, I uh, just warmed my heart so much. Uh, it was last last year sometime when my son was uh, when we were obviously that we were everybody was hunkered down because of or actually no, this was probably 2020. This was probably 2020. Yeah. Now I think well, it's all haze, man. Yeah, dude. But once it, I started, it, it's all it's all fly, it's all together. Like 2020 and 2021 are all one year to me. Yeah, and um, but uh, I already started working from home. Uh, the kids had started having to to do a little bit of school remotely and stuff. And I remember my son arguing with the teacher about taxes um, that it's still theft, no matter what they use it for. It doesn't matter. They're still taking it, and it just warmed my heart to uh, to hear that. My uh, actually, my son went out with me when um, when you were uh, having the debate, the chair debate at the 2020 convention. Although with Joe so, Bishop Henchman, that was a fun debate. I, I yeah, really had a good time at yeah. that one. So he he went out with me to that. Uh, my daughter, who turned 12 a little bit ago, went with me to the first night at the Florida convention. Um, as well and was really stoked about things so you know trying as much as i can uh where you was know, 2020 at? Um, was that miami 2020 was here uh orlando was it orlando god they, i just well i went to the first the first one i ever went to was fort walton beach dude oh no no i'm talking about the uh sorry sorry the national uh, our convention. state convention, national convention was orlando right uh our state convention was in lakeland so it's a it's a bit further west 
uh, not quite all the way to Tampa, but in that sort of central west. Because I went to part 2020 as well. I know that it was the 2021 is the only one that I missed. I think I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Who oh knows? gosh, wait. 2020. Man, I'm. I'm no, I think 2021 was the Lakeland no, one. Yeah, 2021 was Lakeland. Yeah. Uh, 2020, I missed because 2020 was on my son's birthday. Okay. That's why. <laughs> but but 2020 was the one that I had the chair debate though. No, no, but oh, you're talking, talking about the about national that. chair debate. At national, yeah. Oh, that was a blast. So it was dude. you, JBH, and I don't know how many other guys. Yeah, there, there was uh, me, uh, JBH, J- yeah, Shipley. And- yep. Yeah, that was a fun. That was that was the most probably the most fun debate I've ever had because we owned the room. Like we, because remember half that half that convention was yeah. online, and and we yeah. owned the room. I mean, the room was ours, and people were just screaming and chanting, "Break the cycle!" I was like, "This is the greatest thing." And this was before I had done the show, right? Because that was yeah. it, for for you those who don't know, "Break the cycle" was my campaign slogan before I ever did the show. And so so people were just scream, "Break the cycle!" for for like five minutes after the debate was even over they were still doing it i was like i felt like a rock star man it was great <laughs> yeah, man. It, it was a it was a, a cool thing that convention though man i just remember that first day that was completely wasted on all the whole thing with oh, the yeah. with the online and all gosh it's the kind of stuff that makes me really and i know you've been on the the lnc for a while as a as an at large and and i appreciate you know obviously what you do and uh and obviously steven uh nikaila who's uh my region rep who I think are good folks, but on the whole, unfortunately, I, I, I haven't had a real good sense of, of what the LNC does and everything. And it, it's not very inspiring to me. It, it's the sort of thing that has kind of led me off into, uh, and I guess in this case, we're not talking just the LNC. We're talking about the the party nationally. Right, right. Um, just kind of leads me to focus on things closer to home. I, when I was in Miami, obviously I was focused on uh, stuff down there. Since I started, since I came up here, Pretty soon after coming up here, I decided I was going to try this, uh, take a shot here. And so that's kind of my focus in as much as uh, doing stuff with the party, see as much as I can get around, uh, try and do some things, leverage what I can of my own skills and get the message out there and hopefully hopefully reach out to people, start to build something up. But, uh, you know, it's one step at a time. So sure, sure. Well, so so I, I I've been throwing her kicking around the I was kicking around the idea of running against Cid, Cindy Axney here for Congress. She's the only the only Democrat uh, Congress person in Iowa, and I happen to live in her district. And uh, one of my one of my things was I was going to bring forth a motion at, every year that I'm in Congress. I would bring for, forth a motion to end immediately end all all foreign wars and start closing military bases, and that would be basically my entire platform. I mean, that's what I was going to run on. I thought it'd be it'd be a strong thing here in Iowa. There's there's a lot of people who who want to get out wars in iowa because you know ron paul did good in iowa if of all the states um but I, so i mean well, you know if, if you were to go into the senate would you would you be fighting these wars man would you be fighting pushing back against these endless endless wars look and I, I was inspired by the ron paul message and that and that's obviously one of those big things it's and it's, this is one of those things where um where people think it's so um you know people it's interesting to me where people who who came from the ron paul movement or who were inspired by that have now sort of uh, morphed into really focusing on localism. And I don't say there's anything wrong with it. Obviously, like sure. I said, I ran first to run for something really local. But if we think about some of the issues, what was the issues that inspired you when we were when that was going on? What were the issues? The end to all the wars. Yep. Obviously, it's something it, it's it's not even a question. Zero of all these wars and military engagements are declared wars. So bring them home. Right. Bring them home. Bring them all home. Uh, and and 
quit the insane spending and everything else that goes along with it. Stop, you know, getting people killed in the crossfire. Stop uh, sacrificing these young men and women uh, who, even if they come home alive, they come home with uh, carrying uh, a burden, you know, that, that the rest of us can't really appreciate. I mean, I, I'm intellectually, I can understand that they're, they're dealing with something, but I don't really understand what you guys who are out there actually dealt with and what you carry with you. I, I, I know that there's something there, but I don't, I couldn't tell you this. I couldn't explain it the same way you could. And even explaining it is not the same thing. You know, it's like, it's like having a kid. It's like your first day being a parent. Um, Nobody else can explain it to you, I think. And, but, you know, the, and, and of course the, our monetary system, the federal reserve, these, this is not stuff we can address locally. These are things we, we need to attack that power structure and at least give it a shot. You know, uh, we sit here and we, we go on about how Republicans suck and Democrats suck. Oh, uh oh, uh oh, hold on. I lost you, buddy. I lost you. You still there? Uh, peak on the from the website missagoy.com uh, slash issues. Sorry, I lost. Uh, I lost I you. Something happened. I boomered the audio. I boomered the video. But we're back. We were talking. We were talking about the worry. Fed. We started talking about the Fed. I got. I got excited. My hands started shaking. That's what happened. <laughs> but no, man. Um. But you know, I I've got at least some of my takes on these issues, in particular with foreign policy. Like I say, bring them all home. Quit, quit all the crazy spending, cut the foreign aid as well. We shouldn't be meddling. Again, it's real simple and it's not isolationism. It is uh, normal relations, free trade with everyone, even the people we don't like. Um, because you're not going to have any influence anywhere. You're not going to be able to actually make a positive impact in places by doing the stuff we've done. And if there's any better example of it, uh, I think should be Afghanistan. Uh, in a really different roundabout way from what happened uh, in Vietnam. Obviously, what drove the U.S. out of Vietnam and made people very gun-shy about it was the loss of human life. Hi, kids. Do you like violence? Yes. Are you sick to death of pussyfooting around the truth while being constantly fed lies by news and big tech tyrants? If so, then come join me, Dan Smots, on The System Is Down, where we get weird, have fun, and dig into all the dangerous taboo topics like conspiracies, politics, religion, culture, current events, and everything your family just prays you don't bring up around the Thanksgiving dinner table. And I know that reality is scary to some people, so if you're easily offended, just ignore this and go back to making cat memes or whatever. But if you're ready to change the world for the better, come join me on The System Is Down at tsidpod.com or wherever you get podcasts. That's tsidpod.com. Com because the system is down and truth is taking over. And uh, we didn't have that now because it's just a different kind of warfare. The tech, uh, the technological difference, um, the, the advantages that we have didn't lend itself to that. But what still happened? We spent 20 years, trillion, uh, probably at least a couple trillion uh, people dead in the in the. Uh, both the locals and some of our our troops dead, along with the folks who came back. Uh, like I said, carrying that burden, many driven to suicide. Uh, we're talking about at all time highs for both veterans and active duty, uh, in terms of what's been recorded in in the past. And all of that sacrifice over 20 years, and the Taliban took back over in a week, literally within a week. It was. It was. I, mean, um, I don't even think it was a week. Yeah, I, no, I think but, it was like but, like four days, five days, or something like that. But it, it, it's absurd, and it's it's 
you know, when you think of all of that sacrifice and everything, unfortunately, I guess maybe one of the problems we have is, is we have such short memories now where I don't think there's a full appreciation for that in the general public. And maybe it's part of, you know, fixation on the COVID fears and everything else. But, and this is one thing, one thing also I'll say about with, with the COVID stuff, because again, as important as I think it is and to address it, I, I always am afraid that people are going to get this idea. Well, if we could just go back to the way things were in 2019 and everything would be just perfectly fine. And, you know, we still had a lot of problems in 2019, right, um, right. you know, even without, even before the CARES Act and all this stuff, we were still running trillion dollar deficits and, um, you know, the crazy drone warfare and, and occupations abroad and everything else, all, all this stuff was still going on. We still have uh, so many of these things going on. And again, it's trying to impress upon people the, you know, the problem isn't any one thing. We, we have so much work to do and it, and it boils down to what I was trying to explain to people it boils down to a fundamental difference between us and them, us libertarians and the the mainstream of politics or the Republicans and Democrats. And I guess you could lump in the other sort of additional parties as well, because they, they seem to fall into this. I saw what uh, the Green Party put out maybe a month or so ago uh, regarding COVID stuff. And it boils down to where do you think or, or the legitimacy of government power? Right. You know, they seem to follow this kind of old world, you know, mandate of heaven that government is just you know, anointed to control everything and it has legitimate authority to decide everything about your life. And their arguments are merely about whether they should or shouldn't do this or that. It's not about, you know, any sort of, um, there's no question to them whether it's legitimate or they have proper authority to do it. For us, it's very different. And I would say uh, somewhat more in line with, you know, the American tradition of thinking that government's power needs to come from the people. Uh, because if government's power comes from the people that are being governed, you know, this is, uh, what power can I vest in government? Only that power, which I have, I have the right to defend myself, to, uh, protect my family, my property, etc., and my own life. Not really much else. I don't have, you know, permission to, uh, you know, take whatever percentage of your income and go spend it on something else. I don't have permission to, I don't have legitimate authority to tell you, what plants you can grow or substances you can consume or objects you can own, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, if we don't have that authority or mandate what kind of safety policies can be in your workplace, um, since we were talking about OSHA before, uh, and if I don't have that authority, how can I invest that authority in government? Right. Um, where can it come from? Uh, so it's a, it's um, a core difference that, it is is something where people need to understand their their basic rights, how it's infringed upon, and what the damage that it does. Because it's I, I usually approach things from a perspective of principle of saying, you know, this is uh, this is wrong because it violates you know the individual's rights in this way or the other. But uh, but I think the the consequences when you look at later on down the road, when you look at what the actual consequences of these policies end up being, they still end up bearing out the same thing. So I think when you violate those principles, it's pretty much impossible to create a positive outcome when you violate, um, when you violate those principles of individual liberty. You're setting up a situation where 
Um, it's inevitable that there's going to be unintended consequences that are going to be harmful. And you're probably never even going to accomplish or even get closer to accomplishing the goal that you at least stated that you wanted to with the policy. Sure. So, so, uh, you know, here's, oh, here we go again. I don't know what's, I don't know what's doing this with my, my, my video is like my, my video shrinks like during shows, all of a sudden it's got these black lines on it. I don't know why it does that. I'm going to, I'm going to figure it out. It could, maybe it's a bad Please camera, man. Cause, cause I know at least with mine, um, because I'm using, uh, actually using my own phone, uh, and a piece of software on there to use that as the webcam, yeah. uh, through my PC and everything. But sometimes if it doesn't pick up that I have the license, it'll, shoot down my my resolution it'll throw like a watermark on top of my my picture and everything so no i use i use a canon m50 man and i and i have the uh i have the canon um uh it's the canon webcam app that they put out so that you can use your canon your camera with clean hdmi out and all that shit and and i don't know it just started happening recently and sometimes the the black bars on the side are really thin and sometimes they're thick and i'm not changing any settings it's just happening on its own so i really got to dig in and find out what, what's going on with that man uh but so so okay so we know that there's not a lot of really good liberty people in senate okay there's not <laughs> There's a, there's a couple that do some good things. Okay. Obviously, uh, the, the Apple didn't, the Apple fell pretty far from the tree for, for, for Rand, but Rand does really good things sometimes. Um, I mean, you know, go ahead. It's, it's a funny thing with Rand. You know, I think a lot of us who were really hardcore, you know, lovers of Ron Paul have been very disappointed because of, you know, how much he wasn't that. But in truth, you know, if I stop and think about it, realistically, it's unfair to expect anyone to be a carbon copy of their parent. You know, you know, it's, it's not a fair expectation to put on him. And, yeah, I can say that, you know, when I'm really frustrated with stuff that he does or I don't like certain things or I just disagree with him or I think he's way off the rails. But at the same time, I got to give him credit when he does good stuff, you know, and the, and the stuff that he's done, you know, taking Fauci to task, at least, you know, on the Senate floor about uh, about the gain of function research and everything that's invaluable. And I'm, and I'm thankful that he's there doing that. Um, and, and, and some things have any surprised me occasionally in, in positive ways as well, but yeah, you know, we, we don't have a, I, I don't think libertarians folks who are, like I say, committed to these principles. I don't think we have anyone, um, that we can rely on in right. the Senate today. There might be some allyship on, on issues I, I'd imagine, which would be yeah. nice. Um, and you know, I don't think people understand there's, you know, there's this thing where people are like, oh, you know, you'd have to get a whole bunch of libertarians elected to the house to make a difference. That's not true. You only need one. And let me tell you why you need one, because then both sides are going to have to start coming to you asking for your vote on things. You know what I mean? It starts to change the dynamic of the house. And I think, uh, you know, I, I think Amash, you know, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Amash fan, but I think he did some really good things. And he, you know, he's very principled on most, almost everything, probably 99% of things he's principled on. Mm-hmm. So he was, he, you know, I, I I'm not going to throw the baby out with bathwater for the things I disagree with him about, but yeah. he made a difference in Congress, in my opinion, because, you know, he was the one that stood up and, and, and made the noise and people had to come and ask him to support things. And so it make it, it does make a difference when you have people like, like Amash and, and uh, Massey, who I'm a huge fan of, who I agree with also probably on 95% of things. And, um, but, but it, it could really make a difference getting one, just one elected can make a huge difference in the house. And so uh, I, I, you know, you have my endorsement, Dennis, obviously, you know, that already. Man. As long as you're Thank not you running know. against Augustus Invictus, you got my endorsement, dude. 
you know, that was, gosh, man, that's such a funny thing. I think back to that particular election cycle. And in a sense, it was kind of cool that we had how, oh, we had a Senate primary. Right. Uh, libertarians had a Senate primary, which was so bizarre. Um, Did you but, guys you had, know, had picked any shittier candidates, though, buddy? <laughs> well, you know, it wasn't that we picked them. You know, we I had know. this one guy who, you know, which is a, a, an interesting character, to say the least. Um, we actually, and this is actually an interesting point because it's something I've talked about with a few other people recently, you know, that led to a lot of upheaval in the state party. There was a lot of people who were really bent out of shape because this guy showed up, he registered as libertarian, he ran as libertarian and a lot of people were just wanted to run this guy to the party. Um, and others of us just said, well, let's just trust the process. Uh, other people got another guy who was basically an empty suit, right. uh, what was his Paul name Stanton. again? That guy hates me. Paul Stanton. That's Paul right. Stanton. He hates Paul me. Stanton. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's, he was basically an empty suit from, in my humble opinion. I mean, I met him. He seemed like a vaguely intelligent guy, but he made, has really poor judgment in my opinion. Um, but he basically an empty suit. The guy didn't, wasn't really like charismatic or anything. And he won the primary with like 70 something percent because nobody liked the other guy. Um, so the process worked yeah. and eventually he was gone from the party. Uh, other colorful characters that we had uh that people got all upset about and been out of shape they left the party and i think florida as a party is is pretty strong at least in the sense we we get along we don't have quite this level of internal conflict that i see at the national level so this is one of my my hopes for the national party is that maybe past this convention maybe we'll get past this the folks who really want to cry and say we're going to leave or this and that will leave if they're going to leave and um and folks who stay regardless of what side they fall on if they're serious about getting work done they'll work together whether it's old guard new guard or whoever you know that so i'm hopeful that that uh that sort of something similar to that will happen in the state because i think excuse me at national level because i think at the state level we've had that happen in florida and at least my experience from the first convention i was at um to the more recent ones and just my interactions with everybody in general has been so much more positive. And so, um, you know, I'm hopeful to see something like that happen at the at the national level. It's, it's growing pains. We'll man. That's what happens. <laughs> it's normal. We got to have we got to have these debates uh, to iron out what, what, what we're going to be, what our identity is going to be as a party. I mean, you know, a lot of people talk about how, you know, the, the Libertarian Party has been around for 50 years and they haven't gotten anything done. It's like 50 years in the grand scheme of things is not a lot, dude. Like, it's not a lot of years. You yeah. know what I mean? And and I think that there's been this battle for the soul of the party for a long time. You know, you had the cases yeah. you had that the Cato Mises split uh, between Rothbard and the, and the Koch brothers uh, way back when. And, uh, you know, and then the, 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 that wing of Liberty kind of took it over for a while. And then the, that now the Mises wing is like taking it back over. And so I think, I think if we could kind of iron out this, you know, this, this identity for the libertarian party, I think they could be really, uh, you know, active and, and get a lot of things accomplished. And, and, and I think that's where we're getting to. And I think a lot of the riffraff that kind of just came in so that they had these little positions, you know, that made them feel important so they could, so they could write on, on their, their blogs about what they do as, you know, these, these libertarian positions. Um, I, I think that those people are going to walk away. I do. I think, you know, we've already seen a lot of them walk away. People like Andy Craig, who really just stuck around and talked shit to people all the time. He didn't really do, in my opinion, anything important he was on the platform committee and all these committees and it was like that's great what are you doing in the real world you know what i mean and and so when those people walk away i'm not gonna cry i'm not gonna cry about it i'm gonna be like i'm gonna sign ara we got 
we got shit to do now that we we're not constantly fighting on these boards and uh and so that you know that's my hope and <clears throat> you know that was my hope in 2017 when I started running was like hey we we you know I wanted to I wanted to unite with people that were good faith actors um and and people who were principled as well um and and uh you know my two runs really highlighted who were the not good faith actors and and who were not principled and who was just here for the small pawn and so you know even if I never do anything else I know I accomplished that inside the party but I think it, you know a lot it's time for a lot of these guys to start working you know outside of the their little their little bubbles anyways man but um so yeah. we're we're getting close to the end of this thing but let's before we go so so you have something in common with Mitt Romney uh, you, <laughs> no, just you. You are uh, you. You are Mormon, and uh, and and so I want to talk a little bit about how you know your faith has uh, kind of shaped your maybe your political views and stuff as well. Because we talk we sure. talk about faith on the show quite a bit with some other characters and stuff, but um, it's it's not you know faith that I've had on the show. So it's it's kind of yeah. it's kind of exciting to talk about. So so has Ooh. that helped shape your your uh, your political views and 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 principled views? Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I think going, it's actually funny. There's a, there's a clip I would go and I'd probably have it saved somewhere in like my, uh, my, uh, some YouTube playlist that I might throw in somewhere, which was like a clip where both, uh, Ron Paul, uh, and, uh, an old church leader, Ezra Tapp Benson, who had actually worked also for a time in the, in the Eisenhower administration, but we're both quoting a uh, Bastiat or both talking about Bastiat, uh, and the law and stuff. And so, uh, but no, the, you know, sort of the core fundamentals, at least of my faith, and, I, and I'm a convert. I joined the church. I got baptized in my early 20s. So it's not the, it's not necessarily the religion I grew up with. It's the religion I chose, but uh, or I even to say not even chose, but I, I came to have a uh, a testimony of a faith in, and so uh, or a recognition of the <laughs> truth of. If I'm going to say it that way, if I want to be a little more bold about it, but um, you know. Part of the the theology, even just the most basic stuff, we talk about the plan of salvation. One of the things we talk about as a core principle is that uh, humanity's free agency. We don't believe in things like being accountable for original sin, that you're um, condemned for something that someone else did. You're responsible for your own actions, uh, which is pretty much in line with libertarianism. Also, the idea that we're supposed to be here. We're given our freedom. Literally, um, we talk about the this war in heaven prior to our existence here we believe that our spirits existed prior to this and so when we the the plan that we're uh going through the the process that we're going through part of it is to come to the earth uh and receive bodies and have our freedom to be able to make choices to learn we make mistakes uh but as we sin we have a the atonement of jesus christ to be able to redeem ourselves but it is a freedom is a key component to this uh where literally what uh the plan of satan yeah i can't really i can't rephrase this any other way the plan of satan literally was send everybody to earth with no free will uh and force everybody to be good right which to me honestly sounds like a lot of what people want to do with government force everybody to be good force everybody to do the right thing which is really does not allow people to grow does not allow people to reach their potential uh, when people are not free, people are at their best when they're free. Um, that's been what I've observed. Uh, there's uh, also just in terms of this idea, maybe of a, a liberty sort of minded governance in the in the very early days of the church, the 1840s, um, the church was 
So early history of the church before the church actually gets out into Utah and settling out there. The church is actually established in the in the northeast. They're migrating a bunch, bouncing around between a couple different places. In the 1840s, they settled in a place in western Illinois called Nauvoo. And at the time there, the the original, the first prophet of the restoration, Joseph Smith, he is uh he's also serving as the mayor there. And I there's a this great quote. Um, where a reporter asked him, you know, how do you govern your people? Because he observed that things were running pretty smoothly over there. And he said, uh, I teach them correct principles and they govern themselves. Nice. And I think to me, that's the ideal, right. you know, is, is, is not a situation where we're going to, you know, again, what we see so much of today where people are trying to this top down, um, decision-making for people, for regular people that they don't understand, they don't know. Uh, instead, we believe in teaching folks and allow them to to make these choices. Now, it might seem a little strange to have this emphasis on liberty when you think about a faith that, you know, I think from the outside people view as having a lot of constraints. You right. know, the fact that I don't drink, don't smoke, I don't even drink coffee. You right, know? like no caffeine, right? Do you drink any caffeine at all? Um, I mean... I take Excedrin, which has caffeine. But I would, I would it, die, buddy. I would die. It's not technically a. It's not technically a prohibition on caffeine. There's this. Um, some folks sort of push it to another level and get into this whole thing with soda and caffeine-free sure. soda, but that's not really doctrinal per se. Um, so, I not not that I want to start any fights with other folks in church or whatever, sure. but you know, some some folks are kind of more about that. Um, some folks drink soda and it's whatever. Nice. But um, but you know, but there there's there's restrictions, but it's stuff that we choose. And it's, and it's that important part that you choose to do this. Um, there's, there's even some other stuff in there where, um, without going off in too much of the time where people might view it as being more aligned with some other kind of political views, but voluntarism is key. We choose to do this. We, we, we make that decision and everything. Um, gosh, I can't remember where it's from, but, uh, this other quote, I think it was from some old hymn or something, but, uh, something about that God will force no man to heaven, right. you know? And, and so I think freedom is core to it. Uh, going back to when I was talking about with Ron Paul, Ron Paul always made a big emphasis. And it's one of the things where I'm kind of not quite on board with everybody who wants to get into the whole secession movements and stuff, because I do think that the constitution is. Uh-oh. Um, I, uh, you get a phone call. Uh, it's not a phone call. It's an alarm, oh. uh, that I have set for normally because I'm not usually doing this at this time sure. of day. So, um, but gosh, what is it? Um, uh, you know, Ron Paul always made a big emphasis on the, on the U S constitution. I know there's, I, and I understand the, the Lysander Spooner kind of viewpoint of, well, the constitution really hasn't succeeded in anything. The constitution's papers, uh, words on a piece of paper, right. you know, right. We in our church, we we view the Constitution as being kind of inspired. I mean, me in particular, I, I look at the Bill of Rights. And, you know, we can talk about individual rights and life, liberty, property in a way that and understand that. The average person isn't so engaged in politics and they don't get it. But, you know, simple things like, say, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, uh, right to bear arms, uh, due process. People understand that. That's relatively easy for folks to grasp. And I think... Even if you think, and I understand the the attitude of, hey, our federal government sucks, and it's not a so it's bad. not an so bad. at all, and and I can understand wanting to get away from that. But if you compare what we've had here versus the growth of government almost anywhere else in the world, you know, 
I, I look at the Constitution as kind of an anchor that the federal government has been dragging as it can to go into the direction of statism as fast as it could. But, you know, we're, I, I think it has value. I think it, um, I think it does represent something. And heck, I mean, we've got scriptures literally in, in terms of uh, the uh, book of scripture, modern revelations, a uh, book called Doctrine and Covenants. Uh, we have a little bit of extra scripture, as you might already know. Um, Just a few. And one of the, and one of the revelations is like, you know, the laws which are not, I don't have it in front of me, but laws which are not constitutional and not upholding the, the freedom of, of men is, you know, is, oh gosh, I can't remember the term now, but, you know, evil and usurpation and, and things of that nature. And so uh, I wish I'd had it pulled up. I should have done that since we talked a little bit about this before. That's okay. Um, you don't got you you to you get it verbatim, buddy. That's all right. <laughs> uh you know, like I said, I, I joined as an adult, never, never did the whole uh, master scriptorian thing, uh, seminary growing up or anything. So um, uh, I, do, I, I usually just depend on technology to save all my stuff. So and uh, and try to have it a little more handy when I go into these conversations. But uh, but I think those those are core beliefs of ours. The fact that individual liberty is important, not only important, it's essential for salvation. It's essential because how can we uh, grow and become what we need to be if we're not free? Right. And um, obviously the respect for life in a lot of ways as well. Um, the wars that we talk about, I think the the value of every individual life is truly something precious. Um, and so it, it is another thing where I find it really morally indefensible, the way that we've, we've gone to war uh, unnecessarily. And, and it's the sort of thing where in particular, you know, we, we go back since we mentioned Romney, you know, when he was running for president and at the same time, obviously Ron Paul was running for president, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you know, the, the, the sort of stuff that they threw out as far as foreign policy to me is just indefensible, you know, to be willing to, and to con not just continue the wars that we already had, but to be willing to threaten, to use this or that kind of force, you know, to start with Iran, you know, because Iran's attacked us, you know, the U S so many times, you know, maybe something we have, right around their borders in their waters and whatever. But, um, you know, some of these guys are so hungry for war and, and all this stuff. And, and to me, uh, again, also from that standpoint of, of valuing human life as well, it, it's not something I can, I can get behind. Obviously it's something that uh, I feel very strongly against. And I think that, you know, we just need to pull the plug. And obviously, like I said, if I get elected, it's not going to happen overnight still. But to your point about that, you know, the first step is the first step. We're, we're not going to get the second step without the first step. We got to break through that. Um, we got to break through that wall and demonstrate because this is also the thing. What do we always hear from people? Oh, I'll vote for them once they're once the party's viable. How are we going to be viable if they never vote for us? You know, it's the it's the thing like when you start when you go looking for a job the first time, you know, you need experience to get the job, but you need the job to get experience. Right. You know, so. Yep. um we need to become viable to get elected uh, and to, we need to get elected to become viable. So it's this a, is, it's a, it's, it really is a double edged sword, man. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Uh, before we, before we move on, we are getting close to the end here, but I want to give a shout out to yeah. all the people that are, that have come over from the Mises caucus stream. Uh, I know, <laughs> I know that Michael Heiss and Angela and, uh, and, and one of my favorite people, Aaron Harris, one of my favorite people in the world, uh, we're having a stream to kind of address, uh, the vice chair situation. Uh, when, when Dennis gets going here in a second, I'll kind of, 
uh, wrap some of the stuff I heard in the first hour of that before I started my show. I'll wrap some of that up, uh, give you guys a couple of little things. But I am doing a Q&A from this channel on Wednesday. Uh, <clears throat> it'll be a Zoom Q&A, so you guys can pop into the Zoom. It'll be broadcast to this channel if you don't want to be a part of the Zoom. Um, so just so you guys know. But let's, <clears throat> before we go, sorry, and I've been sick, so I'm getting a little better. And if you guys hear me snorting and, and coughing and my throat's a little dry. But um, I want to address some of these super chats before we, before we take off. Uh, Dave Benner, who will be my guest tomorrow night. Thanks for the $5 super chat. He said, nice beard and use this paltry donation to get some more states on your vice chair campaign. LOL. Yes, sir. I will. Uh, Shannon Lee, $5 super chat. Thank you. She said, born and raised in Miami. Keep up the great work. I'm up in Panama City now, but love to see you kicking ass. Need more libertarians down here. Shannon will be voting for Dennis, right? Right, Shannon? Right? <laughs> uh, Kenneth? Wiley. Oh, Ken Wiley. What's up, buddy? $5 super chat. That's that's another one. That's another one of those uh, Florida libertarians that I respect. Hey, I respect Ken Wiley a great deal. I really like that guy a lot. Uh, he said Marco Rubio is the Eric Swalwell of the Senate. <laughs> Only smart enough to repeat what he's told to say, except that Marco Rubio has never ripped ass on on national television. So and Eric Swalwell <laughs> definitely did. Uh, and then the last one, I want to get to this medic Knight $10 super chat. Thank you. Uh, Dennis, who do you think the Democrats will nominate for the Senate in Florida? Uh, the odds on favorite is Congresswoman Val Demings. Uh, she's uh, in the U S Congress here. I think it's the 10th district, but near nearby actually where I'm at now uh, out of Orlando, orange County. Uh, she's been in there for a few years. She's actually, it's, it's sort of entertaining because uh, even Marco Rubio banged her on the fact that she's, uh, you know, I think in the last uh, last session of Congress, she voted literally 100 percent of the time with Nancy Pelosi. Oh, God. Um, that's what that's I, what Florida I, needs. I, you know, yeah, that's that's talk about representing your constituents versus representing your, you know, your colored team party yeah. uh, there. You know, it, it's it it's more about winning a Senate seat for team blue than it is about really anything to do with the res- with the with the folks here. Um, she is long history as a police chief and stuff as well. They're uh, interesting. You know, it, it's funny because I look at her stuff and it is, you know, almost entirely, if it's not ragging on Marco Rubio for something, it is, here's my story, but there's no policy. Like literally you go to the website and there's no policy. So, and, and I guess that's the luxury of running for one of the big parties where you can do that. Cause it doesn't really matter. Right. You know, it's just, Hey, they got a D next to their name. They, they got, got built in voters do no matter what. You know, but uh, but you know what I I try to to harp on this stuff. You know, she just like Marco Rubio voted to give another three quarters of a trillion dollars to the three quarters of a trillion dollars to the military industrial complex. Uh, within the last uh, last month or two, those anti war Democrats, oh. dude. You know, yeah, you know, and uh, and of course not to be outdone. Of course, they included in that I believe was a uh, I know some stuff got stripped out of it, but I believe that there's still a red flag law for the military. That got uh, snuck in there in that NDAA. Uh, Marco Rubio, by the way, the Republican, of course, uh, is constantly submitting red flag laws nationally in the Senate. Uh, he's like sponsoring them. I think at least each of the last few years uh, has been sponsoring national red flag legislation. So go figure that all the people who were, you know, Second Amendment. Hopefully we can get something going here. Uh, well, I got guns. But, big- you know- I got guns bigger than Marco Rubio. So I get it, dude. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> He's probably scared. 
He's probably scared. Well, brother, I'm a big <laughs> fan. You definitely have my endorsement. There's no doubt about that. You're an old school Ron, Ron Paul libertarian. Uh, support ending the Fed. Support ending the wars, the drug wars. Uh, you, you know, you, you're really attacking the correct issues. You definitely have my full endorsement, brother. Where where can these wonderful people that watch my show and listen to my show find you, support you, uh, help you out, do all these great things, man? So so here we go. We've got the URL that's been here at the bottom all this time. Uh, I'm going to put another URL right up here. Uh, it says mrgoy.com slash donate. You can go right there. If you just want to hurry up and get to it, uh, go to the donate page. Uh, anything you can do, uh, have the kind of preset uh, what the limits are and everything. So you can go ahead and donate. Every cent counts. Uh, it makes a difference in terms of being able to reach folks and message and even just ensure our position uh, there. Nothing, nothing is guaranteed here. So I'm trying my best to uh, give us an opportunity. I think it's important for us, particularly here in Florida, where, um, you know, this race is probably going to be one of the most high profile ones this coming year or this year. Actually, no, it's it's 2022 now. So this year, uh, this is going to be one of the most high profile races because you got Rubio as a former presidential nominee or not nominee, but presidential candidate and uh, Val Demings, who was pretty big in the in the Veep stakes for for Biden last year or not last year in 2020. So, so I got I got to reorient myself. I sure. it's this whole thing. Hey, happy new year, everybody. Yeah, happy new year. Uh, COVID. I'm telling you, 2020 and 2021 were all one year because of COVID. That's how it works. So, so, but uh, you know, trying to to give folks an alternative to all of that. Um, like I said, nothing's guaranteed here, but here in Florida, we have the opportunity. I think we should have a uh, we should have liberty in the conversation. That's what I want to do. I don't want us to um, sit it out if we don't have to. Sure. So. Uh, I'm I'm willing to put myself up there. I'm not asking anything more of anyone than I'm willing to do myself. So I'm putting myself out here. Uh, if you guys can, like I say, um, I'll throw it back up here just for just for the sake of it. You know, uh, come on, visit me here at the URL. I'm going to try to get out at a few events. Uh, trying to be down in Broward on Friday night, uh, maybe in Volusia County on Saturday. We'll see. Uh, that was my plan. So, but visit the website particularly if you're out of state or whatever, but you want to help out, uh, please go there, whatever you get, uh, whatever contribute, man, I'm so, uh, so tied up. It's too late in the day. If you can contribute, contribute what you can. Um, like I said, every little bit helps and, and allows us to get one step closer to, to putting that voice of Liberty in the, in the conversation, uh, to be able to compete with these guys. You know, we know that we're never going to have the same amount of resources that they have, but I don't believe we need that. I think we live in a, an exciting time. Uh, and, and I've heard you and some of the other guys talk about it. You know, this is what's different from here versus, you know, back when Ron Paul was running in 88. You know, there, there, there was none of this where I could say, hey, you're interested in my campaign. Go to this website. No, I, the only way I could give you my platform would be uh, I have to print it out on paper and give it to you. I have to give you mail you a form or something like that for you to to, to know where to donate. Um, that's not the world we live in anymore. Now we, we have the, um, the means by which to connect with folks. So, but we still do need some resources to be able to get into the conversation and to compete. Not as much as they do because we have the message, we have the principles and, uh, it's, it's a matter of connecting with folks and, and delivering that. And, and we see where it goes from there. You know, I recognize that, uh, as I like to say, it would take a miracle, but miracles happen. They do happen, brother. They do. and I'll be Keep praying for one. I'll be praying for one with you, brother. <laughs> and and like I said, you got my support. Please go help this man win Senate in Florida and make history by being the first libertarian uh, elected to Senate. I promise you, uh, as, as free as Florida has been over the last two years, 
because of, we can do better. Yeah, we could do a lot better, and I guarantee you that that uh, uh, Dennis is the man to do it, brother. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me, my friend. Absolutely. All right, guys, another awesome episode of Break the Cycle. Dennis, super cool. Uh, I've known him for quite a few years. I'm a big fan. Uh, like I said, he's he's done something that most libertarians have not. He's been elected already. Uh, now he's running for a much higher office in Senate where he can make all kinds of wonderful national changes in the liberty sphere. So please see how you can help him. You know, and, and uh, if you're in Florida, maybe you can help him with some events. Go check him out. Shake the man's hand. I promise you he is as nice in person as he is on, on my show. Uh, guys, uh, I just I just talked about it. Briefly, um, I know a lot of you came over here from the Mises Caucus stream with Michael Heiss and Angela uh, uh, McArdle. I'm sure you have a lot of questions. Uh, I don't agree with everything they're saying, um, and I've talked to Mike and, and Angela both about this. I, I think that their timelines are wrong. Uh, I think that their um, perception of my work over the last five years is wrong, uh, and and I'm going to address all this on my Q&A on Wednesday. I, I've, saw, I've seen a running uh pros and cons list of myself and Eric Rodsep that came out from uh, some people on in the Mises caucus um, that is just factually incorrect on, on a ton of things. Uh, but also is, is uh, it feels a little gaslighting to me. Um, and uh, you know, I, I think that um, some of the things that I, I have done for the party are being forgotten. I think that uh, the time that I took off to adjust my family to uh, a new life, um, you know, from from a lot of things. I mean, it wasn't like I was out there trying to get on all these committees and do all these things because I got seven kids in one year in my house. And so I took a couple of months to kind of relax and, and figure out how that was going to go. And um, but I kept up with my duties on the on the Libertarian National Committee. Um you know, which was, was my, my primary focus, my primary concern in the Libertarian Party because I took a national position. I was representing all members across the country, uh, and so I needed to continue to do that. Um, and, and so we can really get into the, the, the meat and potatoes of all the stuff, all these gripes that are being passed around about me that I, you know, I'm not a guy who can take tasks and do tasks. That's horseshit. Uh, I've done a lot of tasks for a lot of people, uh, you know, that I don't show up. That's horseshit. I've been to 45 States for this party in this caucus over the last four years. Uh, you know, I've done a lot. And so, um, I think that's kind of being pushed under a rug somewhere and, and forgotten about. And, and I'm not going to say that it's, it's being done out of a malicious position. I, I don't want to, I don't want to go to war with my friends in the Mises caucus. I love those people. Uh, those people have been my really good friends for a long time. The membership, uh, you know, there's a large portion of that membership that I brought into the party that I brought into the caucus. Um, and, and I support them and I support the mission. Uh, my, my main concern is that we, uh, support candidates that represent us. Uh, and because this is a national level position, this isn't, you know, the vice chair is being made out to be a nothing position and that's just couldn't be any further from the truth. Uh, in fact, in 2017, 2018, when I was running for national chairman against Nicholas Sarwark, uh, at the time there was a vice chair named Arvin Vora who actually got a ton more media than Nicholas Sarwark did. Um, and so that's a possibility. And uh, I want people in those positions that can end up getting media, that can end up being on podcasts and news and Kennedy and this and that. I want those people to reflect my principles first and foremost. Uh, you know, the nuts and bolts of the party is is really it's really not that crazy. OK, it's really not. We're, we're working on a less than two million dollar a year budget. Uh, you know, there's four meetings a year um, and there's other things that you can involve yourself in. Um but it's just not a do nothing position. And that's a silly, that's a silly 
uh, assumption to make about the vice chair position. There's a lot to it. Uh, they represent the states that uh, are not in regions. Uh, it, it's 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 a big job, um, and it's something that I know I can do. If if I didn't think I could do the vice chair position, I would not be running for vice chair. Um, if I didn't think that I had the ability to not be the top dog and work under somebody, I wouldn't be running for the position. If I didn't think I had the time to do the job, I wouldn't be running for that position. So, uh, please on one six, the national holiday, uh, January 6th, I'll be doing a Q and a from this channel at seven 30 PM, uh, open to whoever wants to come on. Trolls will be banished forever. Uh, so come with your serious questions. I have no problem. I will. I won't shy away from the the honest answers to serious questions. Uh, I know what my downfalls were over the last four years, and uh, they're certainly not what they're being painted as. So please come hang out with me on uh, Wednesday. The Zoom link will be in the event uh, uh, um, invite on Facebook. So if you want to be a part of that live, you can talk to me and ask me questions uh, through there, or you can come and watch it in the live chat uh, on the YouTube and drop all your wonderful super chat questions that can get answered that way. Totally up to you guys. Uh, coming up tomorrow on the show, my good friend Dave Benner is going to be here. Uh, he writes for the Tenth Amendment Center. He's an author. He's uh, one of the leaders over there in the Tennessee Mises Caucus. He's an all-around badass historian. I love this guy to death. Uh, he's been one of my good friends in the movement for quite some time. I'm super stoked to have him on. It's going to be a great show. Uh, we are going to get back to regular shows, hopefully at least four a week, maybe five again, uh, sometimes five, sometimes four, maybe sometimes three, depending on if I'm traveling for uh, the, the, the campaign because I am getting into starting to travel. In fact, not next weekend, but the weekend after. I'll be in, a, uh, in Douglasville, Georgia for the Georgia Libertarian uh, uh, State Convention. I know I'll be in Missouri, Nebraska, Ohio, Michigan, uh, Minnesota, Florida in February. Um, so I'll be getting to a lot of these conventions as much as I can. Uh, the cool thing is, is if you live in the middle of the country, I'll be driving to those conventions with my family. So you finally get to meet all the kids that I always talk about and my beautiful, wonderful fiance who will be, you know, by this time, probably a lot more pregnant than she is now. If you're not aware we are having another baby uh, sometime around September. I'm very, very excited. She hopes it's a girl. I hope it's another little chunky boy like my son, Mateo. But I'm going to love it either way. Guys, I will see you tomorrow. Oh, wait, wait. We can't go. We didn't talk about sponsors. Go check out my sponsors, toplops.com, the man, the myth, the legend, my good friend and partner on Break the Cycle, where you can get this great fuck around and find out Labor, Li Lady Liberty hoodie that you see me wearing tonight by using BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. Or you can join the channel membership here on my YouTube under all of my videos by hitting join to also get into the after hour streams. A lot of these streams have after hours that you guys aren't aware of. There's like a hundred of them there. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of content you haven't seen that you can go check out. Uh, you can also become a member of the Patreon or the subscribe star, get into a private discord server with a lot of cool people that you see in the chats here and get up to 30% off all of uh, Top Lops' new gear up to two weeks before it goes to the general public. So really, really, really good stuff. I promise you guys. And of course, go check out my executive producers of the show, AnthemPlanning.com, for all your emergency and crisis planning needs. Check them out today. See what they can do for your business, home, or personal life. They're doing a wonderful job that the government has historically sucked at much cheaper and much more efficiently. Seriously, if you own a business, if your family owns a business, if your brother, mother, sister, anybody owns a business, tell them to go check out AnthemPlanning.com. You will not be disappointed. I promise you they're going to make your life easier easier and cheaper. I promise you. Um, good stuff. Uh, guys. Oh, I, uh, um, uh, also Reed Parnell, shout out to Reed Parnell became a new executive producer of, uh, my show this week at the, uh, at the top, well, not the top, uh, Patreon level, the top Patreon levels, $2 million a month. And that's to shut me up all, all social media forever. Uh, as long as you're paying that $2 million a month, 
the losers haven't taken me up on it yet. 